and welcome to Why Not What If. I'm your host, Bruce Catlin. Now, this is the podcast where my guests are doing some pretty amazing things. They've asked themselves questions like, why not try this? What if I did it that way? What if I didn't follow the rules? Why not quit my job and do what I love? Questions like these and others will be answered by an eclectic array of people from all over the world doing all kinds of different things, all shapes and sizes and colors. And hopefully, you will be inspired too to start asking yourself, why not? What if? Well, welcome again to the inaugural broadcast of Why Not What If? And I believe I have found the perfect first guest for this podcast. Her name is Michelle Neermanrod, and she is a Texas-based artist. And I came across Michelle's Instagram profile, and I was blown away at how and what she's doing. And I thought I was pretty crazy applying paint running uphill in the mountains. But what do you hear? And hopefully you'll check out her Instagram uh, page how she's applying paint and i hope you're inspired as much as i was let's give a listen to a recent skype interview that i did with michelle this woman who packs a powerful punch jumps out of airplanes and paints now for those of you who <laughs> so for those of you who know me you know that i run usually with uh, heavy packs of paint to a destination paint, but I also do um, painting while running, and Michelle has inspired me and gave me, gave me some ideas uh, of tools and resources and how to um, apply paint while running with canvases attached to thighs and back and such like that. But when I saw Michelle's uh, paintings and what was, I was blown away. I said, all right, I have to connect with her. So uh, she was uh, acquiesced to my request, and we connected and we talked. And unfortunately, I did not record our first conversation because it was the first time. You never can go back like the first time, right? So uh, I do know a lot. So I hope my questions are just as enthusiastic and childlike, and your responses are just as organic they were the first time. So, Michelle, would you explain to people who are listening a couple things? Uh, how did you come to do what you're doing, why you do it, and what you really do? So maybe let's let's talk about what, what you do first. What is it that you do? Okay, so um, I create artwork in a kind of unique way. It's a concept that I called Captured Sky. Um, I am a professional skydiver, and I have combined... Um, my love for the arts with my love for jumping out of planes. Um, I take canvases with me in free fall along with little two-ounce flip-top containers that have paint within them. Uh, I exit the aircraft, I release the paints into the wind, and I let the sky paint the canvas for me. Um, it is the closest thing I've been able to think of to be able to create a tangible impression of something wholly intangible, which is the sky, um, which is in reality uh, the absence of something. It's the dissipation of atmosphere. Um, and yet through my artwork, I have created a something where there was a nothing. Um, so like I said, it's, it's my way of capturing the sky. Okay. So 
Thank you for that great brief explanation. And of course, people are probably listening and like I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. <laughs> you know, it sounds really simple in a way I know it's very technical. And the questions that I had, maybe listeners are like, how do you do this and stay safe? I know I originally asked you, do you have an altimeter? Do you have something in your helmet that lets you know? How do you, through experience, it must be you know how much time is before you would become, you know, a flat Stanley, a flat pancake on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. How do you stay safe, number one? Um, so safety is definitely priority, number one. Um, I have... I had a lot of experience in the sky and in the sport before I did my first arc jump. So that's number one. I was about seven years in the sport and a little over 2,000 skydives before I did my first arc jump. Um, it was also a slow progression. Um, so we started with very, very small canvases like uh, about three inch by three inch canvases that were strapped to just my arm. And I took one or two paints with me. Um, when I'm in free fall, I do have an altimeter, which is a, a device that I wear on my wrist that measures pressure changes. So it allows me to know where I'm at in relationship to the ground. Um, so it tells me my altitude. Um, I also wear another electronic version of this altimeter inside my helmet. It's called a ditter, um, which will also give an audible, like, beeping sound as I get close to the time that I should be deploying my parachute. But uh, basically, I exit the aircraft. I release paint. I check my altimeter. I release paint. I check my altimeter. I just go through that pattern until it gets close to uh, the altitude that I should deploy my parachute. I deploy my parachute roughly um, 1,500 to 2,500 feet higher than a typical sport jumper would deploy their parachute. So um, uh, in a typical sport jump setting, you would maybe deploy your parachute at around four or 3,000 feet, and I deploy my parachute closer to five or 6,000 feet. So that gives me additional, like, uh, room for error in case there's any sort of nuisances that arise with the gear, whether it's my regular skydiving gear or the painting gear. And then as we got more comfortable, uh, started growing the sizes of the canvases and even growing the number of canvases I take. So now about three years into this venture, um, I take sometimes up to three canvases in free fall with me at a time. So I'll have two pieces strapped to either one of my thighs and I'll have another piece strapped to my arm, my left arm usually. And uh, sometimes they all come out and come down looking really beautiful. And sometimes it's a little too much to juggle at once. Um, but uh, again, uh, safety is priority number one. So if anything occurs in the free fall portion that I'm uncomfortable with, for instance, like paint gets all over my altimeter, I can't see where I'm at, or paint gets all over my goggles, I can't see where I'm at, then I immediately roll over and deploy my parachute so that we can fix those errors <laughs> further away from the ground rather than closer. That, that is really, you kind of ask the how, the how and, the, and the why that you do it. And how much time do you actually get to paint the sky? Or the sky, where the sky gets to paint your canvas? <laughs> Right. Um, excellent question. So from the moment I exit the aircraft to the moment my feet touch the ground again, um, we have 
roughly five minutes or less. Um, so there, when I'm doing the artwork, uh, I allow the winds to work in two different ways for me. One is in free fall. So when we're, you know, just falling terminally from the aircraft, uh, no canopy is out. Um, we're reaching speeds of about 130 miles per hour, and uh, I fly on my back, and that's when the background blending on my pieces is done. Then after I deploy my parachute, uh, there's still an opportunity for the sky to paint. So as the canopy is bringing me down to the earth, it's also moving me forward. So there's some forward velocity with the canopy. Um, so I take the paints and I throw them out into the wind and I let the forward velocity of my canopy fly me through those accent colors. So the bolder accent pieces, excuse me, colors that you see on my pieces um, is done under canopy and then that background blending and feathering is all done in free fall. But like I said, from start to finish, from the moment I exit to the moment my feet touch down is less than five minutes, five minutes or less. Um, and uh, with about 40 to 60 of those seconds being in free fall and the rest of that time being under canopy. Uh, listeners, uh, Michelle's husband, Frank, does he ever like from his... Uh his kind of spot above you go, no, we need to retake that, but you can't obviously do that. And Scott shopping is really expensive, I imagine. Does his being, how far away is he from you when he's, uh, when he's shooting you? Um, we normally have him fly fairly close to me. Um, since he's only shooting me, there's not really anything else in that big bass sky going on. So he's usually about five feet from me. Sometimes he gets even closer. He has the ability to come up and touch me if he wanted to, but angle-wise, he's usually set up about five feet from me. On your website, can people view the videos of you actually painting or the sky painting you? Uh, <laughs> so right now our videos are on our Instagram and Facebook page, and there's not any that are on my actual Captured Sky website. Um, I'm more of a crafter and a creator and not so much of a webmaster. So I'm slowly working towards that. We do have a YouTube channel too. There's a couple of the videos posted there oh, under the same name, uh, Captured mm -hmm. Sky. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, Instagram right now and Facebook are probably the easiest ways to see footage of it. And again, it's all under Captured Sky or Captured Sky Art. What are you thinking about when you're you're dropping down at 150 miles an hour? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! No, <laughs> I am when I watch you. <laughs> um, no, uh, actually, that's another good question. Um, because of the limited amount of time that I have uh, to create my art, um, there's a lot, a lot of work that goes into mm -hmm. the before and after. Sure. Um, so. When I am preparing for an art jump, then uh, that process begins at my home where I conceptualize what kind of colors I want to work with. Um, those colors then have to be mixed to the appropriate consistencies depending on what I'm trying to perform in that jump because thinner paint and thicker paint are going to do different things in the wind. So I mix the paints to the consistencies I want and to the colors I want. 
I kind of finger paint with them at my home uh, in a little uh, notepad so that I can get an idea roughly of what these colors may do with each other in the wind. Um, and then I actually memorize like a dive flow for that canvas. So um, based off of my finger painting excursions, uh, I determine, okay, I want this color to go down before this one and these colors to ru go roughly here and here. Like if I'm trying to create highlights or lowlights within the canvas. So I memorize where I plan on placing each one of those colors. And then I also memorize the placement of those colors on my gear. So um, one thing we haven't talked about just yet is how I take those paints with me in freefall. And that's through the use of a vest that has tiny little pockets along the torso. Um, and I slide my paint into these little uh, pockets, and I memorize the order that the paints are placed within my vest because I don't have time to look down and try and be like, oh, oh what's, where's my blue? You know, so I memorize in advance, okay, blue is here, green is here, silver is here, etc., so that when I exit, I know, okay, right hand grabs to left chest and, you know, pulls out green. Green goes here, here, and here, and I've got five seconds to work with green. Um, because my plan for the pieces also has to be fluid because sometimes the, I may have some sort of an issue with a color. And if I spend my whole time trying to get that one color out, then I could come down from the jump completely empty handed. So instead, uh, you know, I try to have kind of a, a loose game plan for what I'd like to see happen with the piece. But if, for instance, I pull out my green and I can't get my green to paint to fire for whatever reason. Maybe there's an issue with the container or the cap is continuing to close uh, because the wind keeps knocking it shut. Uh, then I give myself a limited amount of time to work with this color. And if I haven't gotten it out well, better luck next time, Chuck. I stow the color and I go to the next color. But like I said, from because I don't have a lot of time when I'm up there, there's a lot of prep work that goes in ahead of time. And then there's a lot of work that has to be done after the pieces land, like removing all their rigging that allows them to be taken up into the sky, uh, engraving their conception information into them. Because since the idea is that I'm trying to capture a piece of sky, um, I burn the details of the sky that painted the piece into the back of the canvas. So um, I don't know if, yeah, when you podcast, if people will get to see, but uh, on the backs of these pieces, you can see I take a wood-burning tool and I engrave the date the piece was caught, um, the name of the piece, how much sky it captured. So that's the total amount of time that it was terminal based off of that device that I told you I wear in my helmet called a ditter, and then also the conditions of the sky that painted it. So this piece had scattered clouds in the sky uh, when this piece was captured from it. So that way... That's a good picture of that. Good, okay. <laughs> so, what, you know, it's very technical what you're doing as well, which I hadn't realized before. I mean, just your process is very technical. And thank you for, for sharing that. And the what-if question, or why not... When did you get to that moment when you thought, why not? Why not paint while I'm flying? The follow-up question is, do you create anything when you're, when gravity's got you in a chair as you are now? So, but, but when did you, 
what, what was that what if? You know, for me it was I, I'd be in my studio and go, God, I really want to be out running in the mountains here in New Mexico. Oh, but I, I should, you know, be painting. So why not? What if I did it at the same time? What was that? When was that moment for you? I love that for you. Um, so mine was a little bit of a different evolution as to how I ended up in this place because yes, I've always loved to craft, to create, to paint, to sculpt, to, you know, anything with my hands and, uh, in my imagination. Um, but when the concept of Captured Sky was born, it was more out of desperation than anything because as a skydiver, my my lust for the sky is maybe a little stronger than, than others, but in general, it's human nature to look up at the sky and to daydream, to, you know, uh, let our imaginations run wild. I'm, the sky is this imaginative, alluring, but elusive place. It's some place that we long to be, yet we just, by our nature, cannot. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I wanted to be able to take something, a souvenir from the sky to bring with me down here, to keep in my home, to keep close to my heart. Uh, if you love the ocean, you could take a seashell from the beach. If you love nature walks, you could take a stone or a leaf, but you love the sky and you're empty handed. It just seemed unfair. So mm-hmm. I tried to figure out a way to bottle a cloud. And I realized that I don't know enough about chemistry to make that happen. Um, but like I said, I love to craft. I love to create, love to paint. And one day it occurred to me that, well, hey, if I were to give the sky these tools um, and give her the opportunity to create for me, then ostensibly the images that come down are the closest thing to like her finger painting, her imprint, her impression on the canvas. And uh, when you look at my pieces in um, person, you can see that there's like this texture within the paint, um, the very unique blending and stippling and feathering that's uniquely her. So, um yes, it's cool that I make artwork while I'm skydiving and I love skydiving and it's, you know, it's great that those two worlds have come together for me, but really the skydiving is just a necessary function for me to be able to, like I said, create a tangible from the intangible, to capture a piece of the sky, to bring it down here with us. Beautiful. Well said. And what other, have you been, did you go to school for, for art, for fine arts? Did you, um, and what other kind of work are you doing now? Uh, besides, or is this consuming all of your time? This and my babies, yeah. <laughs> so I have two beautiful babies, my my most precious masterpieces of all. Um, no, I didn't. I I don't have any sort of formal training uh, in the arts. I mean, throughout my schooling, my public schooling, and a little bit in my college, you know, I've taken some art classes, but nothing, you know, really professional. It was just 
for fun. I do credit a lot of that to assisting me in my color choices um, and combinations and stuff when I'm trying to sort that stuff out then then definitely I pull on those uh, learning experiences but really um, my the most education that I have that goes into this is my skydiving background um, a lot a lot of work that it takes to be able to get to the point where yeah it is safe for me to do what I do I definitely want to recommend or advise it to uh, anyone in the sport under normal conditions. Is that something you might consider in the future to teach other people how to do it? Uh, you know, I probably want to avoid the um, legal <laughs> implications with that. But you know, I want it. I would not be opposed to off the record sharing my experiences with others. <laughs> uh, you know, going back to your your, your materials, uh, you are you painting with acrylics? Yes. Okay. Yes. And how does so obviously the weather's a lot colder when you're higher for most mostly true. So how do you just decide on viscosity, you know, the, the thickness of the paint? Uh, so that's things you've learned to do over through experience, correct? Yes, yes. And that does definitely have a big factor on how the paint is going to come out in the wind. Um, so different times of the year when I'm jumping uh, have different effects on not only the paint, but also my fall rate. So that will adjust how much time I have in free fall um, to work with the paint. Yes, a lot of it has been just trial and error um, through the years. I, I did my first uh, piece of Captured Sky in 2013, and I haven't been actively pursuing it this entire time because I, I made some babies in that time frame as well, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, from 2013, yeah, from 2013 until now, we've been, I've been learning, and a lot of that learning has been trial and error. Well, tell me, um, who tells you that, Michelle, you have to stop doing this? Does anyone tell you that? Oh, uh, well, I do my darndest to avoid having anyone at the drop zone tell me that. So, yeah, you know. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> How about family, friends, concerned friends? Well, my dad's never been a big fan of the fact that I skydive, um, but that's my dad for you. <laughs> but in general, I would say that my, my loved ones have been very supportive. And even my dad, who is not super fond of the fact that I jump out of planes, he is the one who's responsible for a lot of the rigging on the gear that I use, Like when, especially like when I was shooting video for the drop zone, which I, is unrelated to the sky art, but is part of how I got my experience that allows me to do the sky art. Well, my dad's the one who made my camera helmet and got all that's, that gear squared away and safe for me. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of help, a lot of support. That's fantastic. So do you see, you know, there might be some girls and young women that would look up to you as a, a role model, someone who's courageous and brave and creative and intelligent. Is that do the lawn, Bruce? Is that is that uh, you know something that you know you would be if a young woman or a girl, and I say girl, I mean you know a young girl in elementary school or junior high would uh, you know say to you, this is something I want to do. Would you be willing to encourage them, whether it be this or something else? The what if, why not? 
Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you said something at the beginning of your program. You said that, you know, it's wonderful that the Internet uh, has connected us and uh, made the world smaller. But in a lot of ways, it's also made it a lot bigger. So, you know, we see so many different ways of expressing our individuality and um, and really thinking outside the box. And I think that's wonderful. You know, I, I encourage people to try and find um, that that's something that motivates them and makes them feel unique and makes them feel special because, you know, it's it's easy to kind of get caught up in the humdrum and to just feel like you're part of the flock. But when you can find your thing, whatever that thing may be, maybe it's, you know, jumping out of planes and creating art or running down a hillside creating art, or maybe it's just you can hold a spoon on the tip of your nose longer than anybody else out there. Whatever it is, you know, I say go for it. (laughs) Do it as best you can, as hard as you can, as much as you can. Um, and, and take pride in it, you know, so do it. Really well said. And I want to thank you for being my first guest. And I hope that you, uh, no pun intended, launch a series of uh, wonderful guests who, you know, continue to inspire me and uh and turn will inspire others and so just one last time for your for listeners how can they see what you're doing where can they see it can you just repeat that one last time absolutely so we're on facebook as captured sky my website is capturedsky.com and uh our facebook uh or excuse me instagram handle is captured sky art so any of those places, you can see some videos, see some pictures of the artwork, uh, see some pictures of me. Who wouldn't want to see that? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so no. your inspiration to constantly face, you know, challenges and fears. And I, I, I think it's terrific because I think in your response about encouraging other people, so many dreams are stopped by resistance. So many people don't do it because they say, instead of asking how come, why not, what if, they say, why should I, or I can't, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm not smart enough, not talented enough, tall enough, pretty enough, whatever it is. And uh, I think that you, your work will encourage others to maybe face their own anxieties, fears. I hope so. Thank you, Bruce. I really hope so. So, Michelle, I want to thank you once again for being my first guest. This was so inspiring to me. I'm sure it's going to be to our listeners. And thank you so very much again. Oh, thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. The pleasure was all mine. Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode of Why Not? What If? And if it has inspired you, let's hope that you start asking yourself, Why Not? What If? If you or someone you know would like to be considered as a guest on an upcoming episode, please write to me at BruceWhyNotMe at gmail.com. And I hope you'll tune in to next week's show. Thanks again for joining me.